This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. Freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front. When I gave my truck the reins Barreling down I-35 With one thought on my mind Forget the race, find an open space Be that soon Far behind Hey there, howdy, thanks for tuning in And thanks for telling friends that you hang out On the other side of Texas All sorts of stuff breaking down Like the volcano An economic volcano of West Texas erupting Uh, A private sector volcano And I'm just getting on top of that If you're listening live Jumping on a little bit late But hey, we're locally owned Operating from the studios Where Buddy Holly became famous And that's why Here on the other side of Texas We just do what we do And we rave on And we're broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios Voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running Stop into one of five convenient locations Across the Hub City For the best wash around Guaranteed Go to racerwash.com to find the location that's best for you. A little bit of an abbreviated monologue for you today as we set up the show. We're going to have Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. We're going to chime in on all the Texas politics. My counselor, my political counselor in Ross Ramsey. And then another reason why we're rated so high on your Apple podcast for news and politics across the great these great united states of america we're gonna have pete flores uh who just won a he came in first i shouldn't say one people didn't know if he was even going to make the runoff in the special election in senate district 19 pete flores is a republican and uh, came in first there some might say that he's going to get demolished in the race ahead but for now, Pete Flores is the front runner, and unexpected by many to be the front runner. News breaking in Lubbock as it pertains to West Texas, several dealerships across West Texas. My phone started going a little bit haywire today, about one, and then picked up into 2 p.m., broadcasting to you on a Wednesday, your hump day. About Rager Dykes Auto Group in Lubbock. Now, let's be candid. Lots of people have thought that there was a problem there for a while. Rumors have been amok that there's something going on that is not going to be right. Now, I'm not going to make definitive claims. I'm just telling you what's been uh, part of the conversation in Lubbock. And anybody who looks at you and says, Whoa, gosh, we didn't know anything was going on there, is probably lying. That's been assumed that there is something going on at Rager Dykes, uh, Rager Dykes Auto Groups, which has, uh, man, several lots across the region, uh, Plainview, La Mesa, Brownfield, Lubbock, uh, and then even extends into DFW. The news begins to break. 
that uh, Ford Motor, well, first of all, was the filing. And I think I tweeted this today about, oh, golly, about 2 o'clock, somewhere in there. It was at 2.15 p.m., posted a bankruptcy filing, Chapter 11, by Rager Dykes Company LP in the Texas Northern Bankruptcy Court. And then as soon as documents are found out last, it appears last evening, Ford Motor Credit files against entities associated with Rager Dykes. Your thoughts as we roll along, 806-745-5800, that uh, Ford Motor Credit had filed against Rager Dykes and entities associated, I should say entities associated with and companies associated with Rager Dykes in the U.S. District Court, Northern District of Texas, claims that it is owed, that Ford Motor Credit is currently owed what's currently due. I'll use their language there in, I think, a 41-page suit. $41.7 million it's currently owed and then has an estimated outstanding balance of $116,168,000. Let me say that again. $116 million. And uh, which I understand was filed last evening and ensued in a Chapter 11 by Rager Dykes uh, this afternoon. Uh, whether you're listening in DFW or Lubbock, chances are that you've seen Rager Dykes in its monstrous rise uh, through great marketing and, and other techniques. The question is, what other techniques were involved in that rise? I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm not saying others have told me that things could get worse for Rager Dykes in the days to come, which leads me into this. The city of Lubbock, if you're not in Lubbock, you know what a presence this company has. Could be, uh, I don't want to say disastrous, but very detrimental to the city as a whole to see this company not regain its footing. But the most immediate concern today are all those employees of a company that's grown so fast and what their standing is. I know that I've talked with, off the record, with leaders of the community today, and that is their primary concern. And I would just assume that big media outlets across the state will soon pick up this story as it breaks. Again, as of today, Rager Dykes uh, has filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy, Ford Motor Credit claiming that it's immediately owed $40 million and then another $116 million afterwards. That's the big story right now in Lubbock. We're going to get into the big stories in Texas politics with Ross Ramsey coming right up here on your other side of Texas and uh, see, what, see what we need to know there from the professor. Stick right with us here on the program. Yeah, but he's 18 and he's pretty handy with a gun I sent him off to a foreign land, gave him a new pair of- 
When you're best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Lacey. Top it off, I'm bound for Texas. On this long stretch of Interstate 10, I've got all of Louisiana. There's always a teller where I've been. I'd like to kill that dirty. Hey, welcome back in. The other side of Texas is brought to you by the law firm of Mullen, Hort, and Brown LLP with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, and employment law, as well as estate planning. As he is every Wednesday, He's my counselor. I hope as the legislature begins to rev up, he will be your political counselor as well. He is Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. How you doing, Ross Ramsey? I'm doing great. How's everything? Uh, busy day. Busy day, buddy. Right before There's the There's a lot show. going on. Oh, man. Yeah, the, this, uh, this Rager Dykes thing is, uh, is a thing up here. I can tell you that. And I think it even extends into DFW, but uh, I'll spare you the details. I'm sure that you're, you'll read about it in the days to come. I saw a big number. It looked like a that's a lot of trucks. That's uh, <laughs> that's a lot of money. I don't yeah. know that they'll be selling Fords anymore, but uh, we'll see. Uh, so let's get away from the region and get into the state. I know a lot of people are eager to hear from you on Wednesdays. Ross, tell us a little bit about so I'm going to bring up Pete Flores with you twice here. And the first okay. is that it seems to me that, okay, let's talk about Beto O'Rourke yesterday in Lubbock. The Cactus Theater has standing room only. Now, some will scoff at that and say, well, just because every Democrat in Lubbock was there. But then you've got town halls in Muleshoe where there are a lot of people, and he's going through this region in West Texas and you begin to think, well, you know, maybe some debates are warranted here uh, with the sort of traction. The Texas Lyceum poll, other polls have shown that this is a two-point race, whatever you may think of various polls. But it seems that what we're getting into are debates. We will have debates, but we'll have them on uh, at very sacrosanct times, which is Friday night in Texas in the fall. What's the deal right. there? Well, you know, that's a standard. I mean, you know, the, the, the general outline for debates is challengers want them and incumbents generally don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, debates are usually to the advantage of whoever's trying to make a name for themselves. And, you know, the less money a challenger has, the more they pine for a debate because it's their only chance to get on stage in front of voters where, where people can see them. Incumbents, for the same reason, don't want to do them. You know, Dan Patrick has said he doesn't want to debate Mike Collier, and, you know, he stated some reasons that, you know, said some nasty things about Collier in the process, but really he doesn't want to give Collier any airtime, any oxygen, and that's what's going on there. Cruz is a little bit different. Cruz is a guy who enjoys debates, actually thinks that stuff's important, whatever else you think about Ted Cruz, he's, he's kind of interesting that way, and he was a debater in high school and in college, he was a court litigator, he actually likes that stuff. So, you know, I think this actually sets up as an interesting thing where he and um, Beto O'Rourke are going to actually go, 
you know, it looks like five times on five different subjects. And then, as you say, on Friday nights, this is another thing. You know, if you're an incumbent and you really don't want to give a bunch of unearned airtime to your opponent, you put it in a place where most people won't see it. Those of us who are interested in politics will go out and watch this thing. What's interesting is debates tend to make news. You know, you might not watch a whole golf tournament, but you see the highlights on the evening news. You know, here's, here's how they did today, and here was the best shot. The same thing comes out of a debate. You know, uh, they had a debate today. It was an hour long. Here were the best couple of shots. And if either one of them makes news, positive or negative, we'll all see it whether we were at the ball game or not. Hmm. So, well, we being just a small insider group who are uh, concerned about Texas politics, I mean, is this going to be reporters working overtime to make sure that it goes above the fold on Sunday mornings? Well, the reporter's going to work overtime just to go to the debate. You know, that's that's what mm. we do. And, you know, in, some, in, in a case like this, we go so you don't have to necessarily. People can watch the debate. They can tape the debate. It'll probably get replayed and all of that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is that if something really consequential comes out of a debate or something really newsworthy comes out of a debate, you'll hear about it in either newscasts or in, you know, reading the trib or hear it on the radio, whatever it is, in the same way that, you know, you might not have been watching the presidential debate the night that Rick Perry couldn't remember the name of the Department of Energy. But it didn't matter if you were watching it or not, you heard about that, because it was a viral thing. All the other candidates were talking about it. It was in the news for two days. If O'Rourke or Cruz or anybody else in these statewide debates makes news while they're on stage, you'll hear about it even if you weren't watching the debate that night. Wow, so it becomes incumbent for some incumbent to launch some theatrics against the incumbent. Right. You see what I did there? I did. Took me a minute, but yeah, I got there. Yeah, I feel like if I would have submitted that to you as one of your reporters, you would have said no. Yeah, would not not a great pitch. So, so yeah, yeah. I gotta get the face for radio. All right, so tell me what this isn't new is what you're saying that incumbents have long held this position, and you know, regardless of whatever you think about the tea leaves, it's up to the incumbent whether or not they want to give name. Because, and I'll just say this: that um, Sid Miller, what's uh, Todd Smith, who runs. Uh, agriculture commissioner Sid Miller's campaign just right. flat out said it'll be a cold day in Texas which also might have gotten edited by an editor but it'll be a cold day in Texas before we give name recognition to our opponent right you know you can usually tell the the cruiser work thing is unusual because the incumbent is willing to jump in and willing to jump in in a big way and I you know I actually think that's noteworthy and it, I think it's going to be interesting. I love this stuff, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch five debates. Um, but the ordinary thing, if you just walk into another state and you turn on C-SPAN or something, and you see two candidates arguing, and one is saying, we got to have debates, and the other one is saying, I'm not going to debate that so-and-so, you can tell that the first person is behind in the polls to the second person. Hmm. But because you want, to get on, you want to get on stage and get attention, if you think it's to your advantage or to your opponent's disadvantage, and that's usually a challenge you're talking to an incumbent. But with Cruz, you think it's just, hey, I like to debate and let's get it on. He doesn't care about you know, the two points or whatever it might be. There's a bunch 12. of peculiar stuff about this Senate race. Ted Cruz has only run one general election in the state of Texas. For all the time he spent running for president, 
running for office in the Senate. You know, those were largely primary races. He had one race. He's only been on the general election ballot one time, and he doesn't appear to be taking it for granted. He appears to be working really hard and doing all the things a candidate would do Mm -hmm. if they were in trouble. Doesn't mean he thinks he's in trouble. He's just not going to go to sleep on this thing. He's a candidate who likes to debate. I think he's pretty confident. Um, you know, I don't think he would jump into a debate with Beto O'Rourke or anybody else if he thought he was going to get his clock cleaned. Uh, so he's jumped in in a way that sort of acknowledges that Beto O'Rourke is getting all this attention anyway, and the debate's not really going to add to that, and puts him in a place where he thinks he's got an advantage over the challenger. Okay. All right. So tell me a little bit about these polls that you see out there right now speaking of the two some people say it's a two-point spread some say it's a 12-point spread uh, but what do you make of polls as of august you know people don't know yet you know there's a big number of people in both of these polls that don't know yet who beto o'rourke really is there's a huge number of people in these polls unfamiliar with Lupe Valdez. They know the incumbents a little bit better. They know Ted Cruz. They know Greg Abbott. Um, But, you know, Cruz has been in the news constantly since he was first elected in 2012. Greg Abbott's been on the statewide ballot, I think it's six times. He ran for the Supreme Court successfully. He ran for um, Attorney General successfully. He's the governor. You know, voters are accustomed to that name. So we're at a point still where a lot of voters don't really have a lot of familiarity with all of the all of the candidates and all of the challengers in particular and as you go down the statewide ballot the undecided vote goes way up by the time you get to the attorney general's race a third of the voters haven't made up their mind in that race um if they had to vote today you know just conventional wisdom would be the republicans would vote red and the democrats would vote blue regardless of the candidates because they don't really know them yet Presumably by October, when we're actually voting, you'll know more about the candidates, positive and negative. You'll know their names. The number of undecided people will go down. You'll know the political environment you're voting in. And these numbers will change as that environment and that information changes. Right now, it's an interesting look at how much voters are thinking about this, how intensely they feel about it, and whether they're divided. And the races that they know the most about are the races where you know, the numbers tend to be pretty interesting. You know, Greg Abbott has a daunting lead over Lupe Valdez in every poll I've seen since mm-hmm. the University of Texas, Texas Tribune poll in June. And the Senate race, you know, a lot of people are on the fence in this thing and trying to decide how they're going to vote. And it's a more evenly split race. It's also a more national race than the governor's race is. If you look at it and say, how do you feel about national politics right now? Texans are more closely divided than they are when you say, how do you feel about state politics right now? Yeah. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Tell me, let's let's go into Pete Flores into Texas uh, Senate District 19. And set the con. you wrote a piece about this, and I think it was, um, as an editor, I would have just smiled and grinned and said, that's a great title, Ross. But it was, don't count your chicks until they hatch if you're democrats uh pete flores again last night coming in and and heading up winds up number one people wonder if he was even going to make the runoff uh, but winds up is the top finisher in the special and now he goes into the runoff with pete gallego but tell us uh, for people new to texas politics what's so important about 
Senate District 19? And why would John Cornyn and Ted Cruz and Governor Greg Abbott and others jump in the way that they have? You know, it's a closer district than most people think. It's one of those districts where you look at it and you say the Senate, the Democrats have held the Senate seat, you know, forever, and they just assume it's a Democratic seat. But when you look at the underlying numbers, there are some interesting numbers here. Uh, there are a lot of arguments for the Democrats. Uh, Carlos Oresti, who just left that seat after being con- indicted and convicted on securities charges, actually won in 2016 against Pete Flores and had 58 or 59 percent to Flores's 40 percent. So that's a point for the Democrats. Um, the guy who finished second in this race right behind Pete Flores is Pete Gallego, who served in a congressional seat and in a Texas House seat, the boundaries of which, you know, with a lot of overlap in this district. He's a really well-known um, candidate in this district, and Pete Flores has some uphill slope there. But at the same time, Greg Abbott and Wendy Davis in the 2014 governor's race ran neck and neck in this district. Uh, Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump, but the average Republican and the average Democrat in 2014 um, we're only we're less than half a percentage point apart. It's a district that, on the on you know, it's like that old football joke. On any given day, either team can win this one. And a lot of Democrats look at this as a sure thing. Really, the point of the column was, you know, this has been a Democratic district, and you know, the Democrats have a good chance here. But don't count your chickens before they hatch. The Republicans could take this. Yeah. Well. I... I don't know what else to follow up. I think you did a good job of summing it all up there, Ross, and I certainly appreciate your time. What are you working on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? You can read his analysis, by the way, there at texastribune.org. TribFest coming up. Tell us a little bit about TribFest and why folks should want to go down to Austin and congest your roadways there on the Mopac. Yeah, I think I think the roadways are pre-congested. I think you're going to find the roadways already, you know, if you're looking for congested roadways, we can already do that for you okay. um, without the TribFest. But uh, TribFest is an annual event at the Tribune. It's like a, it's set up, it's like a Austin City Limits festival for nerds. Uh, there's, it's not music, it's political stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are political. There are a lot of people who are, in policy areas, if you're looking at you know everything from water to transportation to you name it, 340 speakers from across the state, more than 90 panel discussions over two days, um, and uh, we announced it this morning to announce the lineup and um, you know tell you who's going to be there. Ticket sales are on. Um, it is on. Thursday, September 27th, Friday, September 28th, and Saturday, September 29th. Most of the programming is on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Most of the people running for or talking about running for president in 2020 are on the schedule somewhere. Um, You'll be able to see, you know, a lot of the candidates who are going to be on the ballots here in Texas. And really, you'll see a lot of stuff about policy and a lot of stuff about, you know, the issues that we elect these people to work on and and, uh, send people to Austin and to Washington to, to try to figure out. It's a lot of fun if you're into this stuff. It's you you run into a lot of people. You you know, there's a lot of sort of personalities running around. Uh, Showtime has that show called The Circus with Mark McKinnon and mm-hmm. a couple of journalists, and um, you know they'll be here for a thing. 
A bunch of national podcasters will be up here taping their shows. You can watch that. It's really a fun three days. Well, I'm still waiting to speak one of those things. Uh, just put that note into Evan. Let him know. That, uh, waiting <laughs> for the invite here. Other side of Texas. Pretty big following on the podcast, by the way. But uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to overplay my hand. I don't want to play. I'll, I, I can introduce you guys. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Thank you for another uh, therapy session here, buddy. You bet. It's always a pleasure, man. All right. We'll get with you Bye-bye. again. Thank you. Every Wednesday with Ross Ramsey here, and we're going to get Pete Flores, the aforementioned Pete Flores, coming up here in the next segment. Do us a favor. Stick right where you are. Tom T. Hall taking you into the break. Be right back here on the other side of Texas. Leave me a tip if you can. I'm a shoeshine man. Well, I can sing, I can dance, I can play the harmonica, too. Molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shine. On the lines with us, we do have Pete Flores. I don't have uh, Pete Flores. I don't have Eye of the Tiger to play for you. But what I, I think a lot of people astounded last night, not you necessarily, but I think a lot of people, I was trying to play Eye of the Tiger. We played Tom T. Hall again. I'm sorry there, uh, Pete Flores. But uh, lots of people, insiders, wondering if you would make the runoff, and instead you came in first. Uh, how you feeling today? Well, we're very humbled about that, and uh, please excuse the road noise. Uh, I'm here traveling in Jefferson County right now, going to get the grandbabies, but I'm very humbled, and uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a testament to the uh, power of the grassroots. Well, hold on, hold on. You win, you come in first last night, you're going into a runoff, and I want to distinguish that for people you've got your runoff coming up but after a big victory last night i have to imagine that there was plenty of coors light or budweiser involved and you wake up early and you drive to east texas to pick up grandbabies like these people don't know who you are at this point pete flores they can't bring the grandbabies to you well it's uh my my daughter and my and my son-in-law they're like most any other texans they got we work for a living hard working honest folks and uh, and so uh, you know, Grandpa's got some got some uh, free time today, to, so I'm uh, going six hours to, to pick them up is is nothing, you know. Okay. It's, uh, from 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 Pleasanton to Alpine in the district is six hours, so it's just is nothing for a stepper. Nothing for a stepper. Pete Flores joining us here. Glad to have him. I'm going to start calling you Paul Paul Pete if that's all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, this fine. is this year first. <laughs> your first free day in how long well probably in about uh uh 30 40 days uh it's been very uh, uh rapid fire and uh uh we've traveled all across our large district sd19 a big shout out to pecos of fort stockton ozona balmoray and if up there in your listening audience and uh thank them very much for coming out to vote and uh SD19 is a very large district running from 
from San Antonio all the way to the New Mexico border. Pretty, uh, pretty big, uh, pretty big district. New Mexico down to the Mexico border, by the way. I mean, I think in a 400, lot of, 400 miles, yes, sir. 400 yeah, miles of Mexico border. Essentially, well, I think Will Hurd's is Will Hurd, Congressman Will Hurd, is his district a little bit bigger than yours, or about the same size? Eighty-five percent of CD twenty-three is in SD nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, and then the other half is they're in deep South Texas, uh, out of uh, Congressman Quay out of Laredo. Yeah. So, let me ask you this uh, before. Uh, let me ask you this oh, very sure. un, unimportant question, given what we're about to <laughs> to discuss here: Is Loving County? That's that's Kel Seliger. That's not you, yeah, correct? Yeah. Okay. No, no, that's not us. No, no, we don't have the we don't have yeah. the privilege of having them in our district. Hey, so what yes. are you going to do about so I took I take my daughter on uh, a little camp out four times a year to different state parks. When are you going to uh-huh. get the I mean, if you win, what are you telling what's your promise to Texans like me about what you're going to do to get Balmeray's pool fixed immediately? Well, I think uh, I believe the I believe the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's already working on that diligently. Uh, that issue had to come from uh, came as a result of a whirlpool that's been uh, actively excavating the back wall of that by the I understand by the diving board Whoa. For, for quite a quite a long time. So you know, and so it just uh, it a got, whirlpool. It got yes, it was kind of like a hole back there, so the water was swirling. That's. Uh, uh, let me just let me interrupt you there, Pete Flores. That's some breaking news, as you hear in the background, because there, there's lots of contention. It's an old pool. There are people who've even said that it's fracking that caused the Balmeray pool to fail. But uh, to, no, for, for fracking, fracking didn't cause that, to the best of my knowledge. And it was uh, just, it just happened to be one of those one of those uh, deals that happens. Uh, you know, when when you finds water finds a way, and then it's water is very powerful and over the years it'll dig a hollow back there and that's what happened so yeah that, that parks and wildlife is repairing it uh diligently as we speak okay so pete flores this is what i want to talk to you about uh, insiders believed that there was a 50 50 chance that you would make the runoff came in first and i want to ask you this um this has always grinded my gears and i think that people will say that i'm i lean right and there would be people who'd say that i lean left but one thing that i always disagree with regardless of what people may make of me is i think that it's below not i think that it just discounts people to say well they are this therefore they will be this and a lot of thinking in Texas right now with the demographic shifts that we see and towards Latino Hispanic majority demographics is that th- because there is a Latino shift a major population shift towards Latino majorities in Texas therefore they will be Democrats and I look at that demographic shift and the thinking behind it and then I see the returns last night and I think Pink Flores that you create you created a quake across that shift and that shift's presumptions and assumptions what do you say about that well I think that whenever you start to categorize people based on you know uh, 
either their socioeconomic position or or by race that, that you're making you're, that's making a big mistake and you just remember how that uh, uh, how, how do we as Texans feel generally and we are generally uh, conservative uh, we believe in God we believe in the strength of the family and uh, we believe in our country and you'll find that extremely strong sentiment uh, in South and West Texas and uh, it's just that we have generations of some folks that uh, and that's not just Hispanics, but that are, uh, you know, have voted on the Democrat uh, for, for generations. And when you actually compare uh, uh, each platform and say, which one is you, and cover the title, they'll say, well, point to that one. And well, he just pointed out the Republican platform. And the values uh, of our platform more closely reflect uh, what Texans believe uh, when, when you examine them side by side. Uh, Pete Flores here, a front runner. Pete Flores, a Republican in Senate District 19, as that race goes on with Pete Gallego. When is Election Day now? Well, we, we have to wait for the uh, votes to be canvassed. That'll be another, uh, so probably 10 days. Uh, uh, governor Abbott wants, uh, like we all do, but the Governor Abbott wants this uh, election to occur as, as, uh, just as soon as possible. So, you know, we'll possibly uh, have the date called. Uh, perhaps uh, mid-September. Yeah. So let me... But that's just a guess at this point. Okay. So we could be up into the school year begins and people are they got their antennas up in ways that they may not right now. Whatever that bearing might be. Pete Flores, let me say this. I grew up in Abernathy, Texas. And a lot of people, and this was in the 80s and 90s, I graduated in a class of 57 people. And over half of them were... Latino Hispanic and and yes, some sir. of them some of them and I want to use the proper nomenclature were full-fledged Mexicans who had who had come across the border at a time when we didn't have the cartels there wasn't this taboo they were part of migrant families who just stayed and this, and I want to specify pre-cartel because post-cartel this is a huge problem but that to say, that was my orientation growing up. And this is what I saw. And this is why, you know, I wanted to have you on to discuss this. These were, these were devout Catholics, by and large. People who believed in life. People who believed in a hierarchy, so to say. And people who believed in a structure of society. And not equality for all. And believed that you needed to work your way even though at that time, and I should say to be fair, that meant hard farm labor in order to work their way into primary hands and then to have stake in the farm. But I'm remiss there as I go forward. I just want to say that so far as, I don't know if it's Republican values, and I don't know that they are. I think that they're just conservative values that extend from a Catholic faith. And whenever I hear you say that, you know, it's wrong to marginalize people, I think that I hear you in my Abernathy, Texas experience that these are people who look at look at the Democratic Party right now and say, well, there's not a place for our real values, our real core family values. Uh, I believe that, that's, a, that's a pretty good, uh, accurate statement. Um, I... I myself uh, am Catholic, and I myself am, am, am pro-life, and uh, I've, I've worked my entire life uh, from very humble beginnings, 
never asked for anything, uh, never expected anything from the government, uh, you know, and uh, I pay my taxes on time. Uh, I'd be a good citizen. I've served as a peace officer for the state of uh, uh, 27 years, and, and I've held my license 33 years. It's all about service. Yeah. It's you know you reap what you sow, but and that's deep in the cult, Texas culture. It's deep in the uh, in in, in uh, the Hispanic culture, and um, you know it's again it's our, a God family and country. Those are the, the hierarchy of of our of our Texas beliefs, but it's especially strong in in the, in the South and West Texas Hispanic community. So, in my experience, so Pete Flores, this is where I want to pick up. There is that I believe a game warden, correct? Uh, yes, that, sir, I was a game warden. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. So you've seen firsthand, your family has seen, that government can work for good uh, just by virtue of your vocation for some 27 years. And this is this is where I think the hang-up might come for a candidate like yourself with a Republican platform in Texas that sneers at government, says that government can't work for people, and I think in your experience, you would have to say, look, public education does work. We can't go school choice. Uh, you can't just squash out all these jobs. We can make government work for us. Would you think that that's a point of concession for you to kind of lean more to the middle in economics, that government can be effective for the people and that we shouldn't just discount it altogether? Well, in, in education, yeah, we have a constitutional requirement to fund our public schools. But at the same time, I strongly believe that uh, the parents should be the drivers of policy. And, and, uh, and, and in, 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 in that, uh, I, I do support uh, the parents' choice with vouchers. Uh, and, uh, and so I just want to make that clear. Government is there to serve the people, not to be served. It was ne- never intended by the founding fathers of the Constitution that it become, it become what it is. Rather, it's there to, to 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 provide for the common defense, and uh, and uh, and uh, primarily, and the Constitution is framed uh, uh, very clearly to, to protect our freedoms and our ability to in, engage in speech and religion and commerce and and the pursuit of happiness, and uh, that's that's what uh, what this republic is, is all about. And, remind people that we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic, so, and, uh, and and we need to fight to keep it. Uh, Pete Flores here on the other side of Texas. I want to go back to that voucher thing for just a moment and ask you, vouchers for religious private schools, Catholic, and otherwise? Well, I, I, I think that, that, that what, what we do is we agree that, that uh, we, where we want to go and how we get there, it will be framed out in in, uh, in the legislative process. Uh, and so, but, all, all, okay. all those questions will be answered. That's, Where we want to go is we want the parent to have choice. Okay, so that choice but, is fine. But, but the public schools must be funded, absolutely funded. Okay, That's so, a constitutional requirement. So they should be fairly and equitably funded. But, you know, I've got, had, I've we had homes. Problems. We have problems there. We do have problems with that. We, we barely meet the constitutional requirement. But there's always a better way to do things, and and this ties into a larger discussion having yeah. to do with how we fund them through the use of property tax. So and, I want to uh, I, I, I want to get back to the Latino Hispanic assumption that they're automatically Democrat with you, but Democratic with you. But I want to stick here on this point to say, 
I've had homeschoolers, homeschool activists who do not want vouchers in the state because they feel like it'll create curriculum preferences uh, that'll narrow the curriculum. This curriculum's accepted, but this one isn't. But there's also, Pete Flores, the discussion about, well, if you're going to put it into, let's say, and I don't want to hit close up, let's just say a Protestant uh a protestant private school or a catholic private school then then you're going to have to put it into and i'll just ring the bell and say madrasas uh to be constitutionally eligible and not to discriminate well well first of all i i, I will say that i i, I wasn't i am endorsed by the texas homeschool coalition and 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 uh, primarily with the homeschool uh, uh folks is texas has had homeschooling for a very long time, and and it's and it, it need not. What they don't want is is it to be changed, and I, and I and I agree fully that if it's not broke, don't tweak it, leave it alone, and uh, and and if 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 everyone understands that that during this this process with the vouchers, that there there's probably going to be strings attached. I, I don't know that 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 it's impossible to separate that, but they absolutely have the choice to say. Well, we don't want them. Yeah, but leave us so alone. Let me and ask I, you and this. I'm good with that. Let me ask so, you this. So, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, so, Pete Flores here on the other side of Texas. How do you fully fund schools, which I assume that you say are underfunded right now, barely meets the constitutional requirement, as you say, and then look at a voucher solution without taking money out of general revenue for public education? Well, it's uh, right right now the the way that that public schools are funded is based on property tax property owners and property taxes. And uh, you know, for example, my myself, I pay over five hundred dollars and change a, a month just on local taxes, and the majority of that is for public schools, which I'm 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 perfectly fine and and with with supporting my public schools. And uh, to make sure we have quality education, although I have no children going to school, but but uh, it, the methodology by which that's done is is not fair, and and uh, it's on the back of the property owners, that, uh, and it's getting worse. And so what's happening is you got rising values, and then you then you that that in, uh, increases the amount of re- revenue collected and, and dispersed, and then and then on the backside we have the legislature that says, okay, well it's rising values, well. They're collecting more. Well, we'll lower our contribution, and 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 uh, it gets out. It gets out of whack. And uh, and in the meanwhile, the you know we we the the the, the property owners, homeowners, and property owners continue to to have uh to to fund end up funding everything. And that's not the not the original intent. There's got to be there a, a different way. And uh and and we believe that uh, um, there is the legislature created that methodology. The legislature can change it, but what's important is what you said about er- earlier when you're talking about um, it, 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 it. Everything must meet constitutional muster, uh, and with that, that is the document by by which uh, all legislation should be weighed. And uh, and uh, so, when whenever we're going into the legislative process, uh, no matter what it is, it has to pass constitutional muster. Yeah, and uh, so. So that's uh, we have you know we in our in our great republic we have checks and balances and it's what's important is that we always remember that there are checks and balances and not just lay down and not 
bat, you know, use that system that was one of the wisest system ever created uh, on planet Earth. Uh, Pete, Flores, Pete Flores with us here. And this is, I think, for a lot of people, this is, is this is their orientation to you. Do you have about three or four minutes to give us here as we carry on? Uh, yes, I'm, I've, okay. I've just arrived in, in my destination here in Bridge City, Texas. And uh, and but I, I'm I'm still sitting in the truck, so we got to all right. Time. Uh, I don't want to keep you very long from being Paul Paul Pete here on the other side of Texas. Uh, tell me, Pete Flores. I watched the videos last night. You had a lot of uh, a lot of Hispanic support amongst you. Uh, tell me, whenever people are on the fence and people who've always have you, well, let me start with this: Have you always been Republican, or was there a point yes. where you switched over? No, by the time I, by the time I was eighteen years old, I, I, I've been a Republican. So I, you've always voted Republican? And, 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 yes, again, when I could vote, I voted Republican. I, I, uh, I you know, wh- wh- wherever I could, there's some, you know, there's some counties when back in the early days that there, there was no Republicans, you yep. know, in some of the, in, but, but. Where I grew up, it was under the old Patron democracy, if you will, and I have an aversion to that. Wait, and, what's uh, a know, Patron democracy? That means that you have elected officials who think that they are the bosses and uh, uh, control all aspects of life in the community, jobs, uh, economy. Wow! Back in the old day, back in the back in the old days, and, and they uh, were Democrats. And they were all Democrats, and yes, you took a version of that. I didn't then like it then. I don't like it now. Okay. And uh, so that's why now I, I, I with that still exists to some extent. And you know we constantly have, uh, especially um, uh, our Democrat representatives in South Texas going to the federal penitentiary, like our senator is going. And uh, you know, uh, I, Carlos Uresti, uh, who just resigned which, the seat. Go ahead. Yes, which which that that's a reflection on us, the community. And uh, the, the only way to stop those type of things is hold people accountable, and uh, and 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 and, and by God, throw in. All right, so Pete Flores from Bridge City. As we conclude here, so back to your campaign party last night. I saw reactions whenever news came out that you came in first. That it was pretty clear after Bear came in and Cornyn and Cruz and Abbott and Patrick had all thrown in there and that's not to dismiss your the leather that came off the bottom of your boots but uh tell me why in large people who maybe have voted democrat uh for many years and changed their minds in this election what did they say to you that changed their mind what was it about your campaign that brought them over to vote for a republican maybe for the first time well, for for one, uh, we uh, there's a lot of um, uh, of disappointment with you know the status quo, and they didn't want they didn't, you know they didn't want status quo. There's an there's an there's a old saying in Spanish that said "ramas de la misma mata," which means branches off the same bush. So you know that's not what they wanted. They didn't even want any more branches off the same bush. They want want something different. And uh, and we we uh, we definitely offer that. We're we're not. I'm not a professional politician. I'm a, but I am a lifelong public servant. And uh, and and the, that that approach uh, was something re- refreshing to them. And and uh, as I understand it, and and uh, and we we need representation with integrity. And my record is 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 
clean and, and uh, uh, I stand on it and and uh, uh, so, so those are the it's very very simple you want representation with integrity and, uh, and that's what we offered uh, um, something different not branches off the same bush yeah Paul Paul Pete yeah, we appreciate you making time. We know that you got to pick up the grandbabies. And as oh, this yeah. thing revs up over the next month or two, we uh, hope that you'll come. We expect that Pete Gallego, your Democratic opponent, and uh, we hope that you'll jump back on with us, too. I know a lot of people, the eyes of Texas are upon this race, and I appreciate you making time to uh, distinguish your positions and to uh, go on and on with us here on the program. Well, thank you very much, and uh, the uh, main message uh, is um, uh, is that we need to always remember to exercise your vote. There's a, a lot of spilled American blood that made that possible, and uh, we, we shouldn't have 4% turnouts uh, for anything. Uh, so turn, regardless if you want to support Pete Flores for Texas Senate or whether you vote the other way, exercise your vote, your, your vote and get it, let your voice be heard. He is Pete Flores. Uh, Pete Flores, give us your website for people who are interested, and we'll let you off. It's PetePeFlores2018.com. Visit us and take a look at us, and uh, God bless you all, and God bless Texas. All right, thank you, Pete Flores. Going to get into a break here. Appreciate him making time. Uh, get in, and we'll just close out the program tell you about some good things coming up this week. John Cornyn. Lots of, uh, I'll, I'll just tease it there. Stick with us right here. This is what happens when your mother drops you on your head one too many times. Welcome back to The Other Side with Jay Leeson. Hey, welcome back. And I want to, I don't want to get sentimental but I want to say this, that this program began as a way, how do I say, I grew up here, and then I moved away, and I went and did my seminary degree, which, if you hear me on this program, and this is just a little orientation for listeners, Whenever you hear me really dig into kind of a semicolon conjunctive on, well, there's this, but there's this. Whether that be, you know, like, I don't want to even go through the text. Democrats blow me up about Pete Flores and his stance with different interest groups in his campaign. The bottom line is that Pete Flores made a value argument in the Senate District, Texas 19, that for social conservatives, there were Hispanic Latino voters who decided, you know what, here's the economic part, and here's the values part. And right, wrong, or indifferent, they made a decision, I think, on the values part, on the social values part. And went with Pete Flores. Now, there are other candidates who come on, other politicians who come on. They talk about the economics. And people say, well, I'm with them. Because they're talking up a game that we've heard a long time on the life issue and the, the heterosexual, homosexual issue. These, But 
what I like to do is in, really engage that semicolon because I think that's where a lot of people are. And I think a lot of people are turned off because they hear reinforce opinion of the same thing over and over again on both sides of the semicolon, social and economic. And this program provides me from being a crazy person on Facebook, right, to come on and talk with you about issues and I've got some texts in line uh, uh, blowback from what I, my monologue from yesterday and you just go to our Apple podcast and listen to that about how crazy Austin activists trying to rename the city in my mind is the same as Southern Republican uh, who 100, 200 years ago would have voted for Southern Democrats are now calling the Democratic Party, the party of slavery. I think I think both sides are extremely disingenuous. But I've found to my delight, and I'm I'm humble in this assertion, that this program has provided an outlet for a lot of people who would otherwise turn off from politics, but because we want to engage the conversation with the Will Hurds and the Pete uh, Flores is as well as the other Democrats that come on like Mike Collier who's running for lieutenant governor to hear him talk about why your property taxes are the way they are and I'm just glad I'm humbled and I'm glad to be able to have this as a hobby to come on the show to tell you what I think because I've had to look through all these economic and social arguments from primary sources, whether that be in German or that be in uh, turn of the 20th century America, I could go on and on about that. But that all that to say that I am 100%, 100% uh, sure that there is no form of government that more impacts your day-to-day life than state government and the Texas legislature. And we try to make this program entertaining so that you can deal with your eyes maybe glazing over whenever we deal with policy. But I promise you, I promise you 100%, I only take up those policy matters because they impact your wallet and they impact your family and your home and your community more than anything else. And we just try to provide that service here and admittedly to be transparent i try to monetize my values and there are advertisers of this program that i hope that you'll go support because we're we're clearing new ground here and people are going in and saying okay i'll go with you and i hope that you'll go into these businesses these commercials that you hear these you know racer car wash lubbock file room um willowbend mortgage abc bank and you'll say hey i heard about you on other side of texas or you'll call in from other places and say hey i want to start an account or i'm just dropping by because i heard you on this program that i enjoy uh i think a lot of those people have a lot of gratitude and the program's only growing we got great people bringing more great people on and that's just a little blurb i wanted to put at the end but for those of you who are furious because i won't stick to one party platform or the other i'm not a devotee of other any party i'm a devotee of my place and uh, i think that 
our place, even if you don't live in rural Texas, if you're listening from urban Texas, we sure do have an awful lot of uh, overlap with you, uh, wherever you might be listening. And these issues are critical, and that's why we bring them up on this program. We, We seek to offer a format that will help you. And if you have questions or you want further engagement, you can always email me directly, jay at other side of Texas dot com or the show with suggestions for people who help put these shows together. Show at other side of Texas dot com. If you listen real time or well, yeah, if you listen real time, eight oh six seven four five fifty eight hundred. I just want to tell you that I appreciate you wouldn't be here without you here on the program otherwise it would be a money losing hobby and i lose enough money fly fishing we cannot afford another losing hobby there at the lease in ponderosa so with that thank you i want to also tell you that coming up uh tomorrow abortion has been a big issue uh lots of people expect with brett kavanaugh that abortion issues across the country that roe v wade could be in doubt however you feel about that issue this is what i believe high support high challenge if we're going to require and i personally believe we should require children that are not the result of rape or incest in this country uh to have the opportunity to be born as creations of God, then you must also provide support for those children because the the big majority of children who are aborted in this country are children of lower socioeconomic status. And, and that should be convicting to all of us. And I know I'm preaching right now, but... You know, the greatest and the leaders in this country don't face this issue like others might. And it becomes awfully tempting to embrace that procedure if you're of a lower socioeconomic demographic. And quite frankly, Republicans do not, by and large, provide anything much more than than womb pro-life, post-womb it seems to me you're on your own by and large and that really grinds my gears and that to say she's not going to be political tomorrow but we've got renee Renee morales who's going to come on she's a part of parent life in lubbock and she helps uh, teenagers who've carried through with their pregnancies the boyfriends the girlfriends the young married mothers and fathers She's going to come on this program and tell us about her organization early on in the program tomorrow. I hope that you'll make a priority to listen to that. If you don't have an organization like Parent Life in your community, I hope that uh, it may be inspiring for you. And then we also have uh, David Langston, Mullen Horton Brown. Uh, you think you may not need a lawyer and you're in rural activity, whether it be farming, ranching, or otherwise. We'll give you some examples of why you need a lawyer. David Langston, Mullen Hoard, and Brown with us Friday. Brandon Darby from the border going to be with us on air, as well as Senator John Cornyn talking about the $12 billion. Some people say bailout, others say tariff relief. You'll hear directly from John Cornyn on this program. He'll also talk about 
Pete Flores as well. But until then, I want to thank you for being a part of the other side of Texas and for telling people that you hang out here. Gonna get home, gonna get home. Great family, above average dinner waiting for me. See you next time right here on the other side of Texas.